This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand. Probably not all that much in demand, though. Right here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin, and he is Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the program today, Theology Thursday, we will continue our look at kingdom politics. And again, this book is a treasure trove of, of talking points to discuss. And uh, this week's chapter, The Pillars of Righteousness and Justice. I, I, I was thinking we'd skip over this chapter because I think looking at our culture, I think we pretty much got these down. I mean, the first few chapters, I think, were, were kind of a good refresher for uh, America and where we are right now. But I mean, I think we are just nailing it, guys, on on the on righteousness and justice and what those words mean and how to apply them. Don't you think? You think we're good on this? For sure. Or do, should we go ahead and discuss it anyway, just in case? What do you think? It's always fun just to take out the oldies but goodies and for the, a spin yeah, every yeah. once we'll, in a while. Yeah, just, we'll, we'll chew up the fat and spit up the bones. Just, I mean, but yeah, we're nailing that. Just right now. in case there comes a day where truth, good justice, righteousness were to befall uh, or a lack thereof were to befall this uh, great nation, I, I think it's important for us to get a refresher. I think, you know what? That's a great point. We'll be prepared because you never know, right? We'll get into three non-political questions as well. At the bottom of this hour, I will admit this guest was booked specifically for my edification. Hopefully it edifies you as well. We're going to talk to a pastor who has written a book saying, uh, you got to get up and move. And I love the title of it, Fight by Flight. That is a great title. No more sitting there in your, in your bleep hole, blue state, blue city, wasting your vote, wasting your citizenship. Time to move where the freedom is. Joel Webbin is the name of that pastor. He will join us at the bottom of the hour. Want to let you an update to right now. It is the uh, third week anniversary of Nefarious going to streaming tomorrow. Tomorrow is the third week anniversary. And, you know, I've been open with you guys about this um, throughout the process. And I know a lot of you are praying, and I appreciate it. I've got a ton of notes from people um, praying that your investors and everybody are made whole. First of all, we think the movie deserves that. But secondly, we'd like to see more of this kind of content. And trust me, we are having, I mean, I, I, I haven't even told you guys yet, but... Somebody you all would absolutely love, I'm told, is interested in being involved in some future nefarious content. And that's all I can say right now. That's all I can say right now. All right. But that ain't happening, man, if we can't pay our investors back. I have good news. The start we have had so far in streaming for the first three weeks has been so strong, we have now made generated enough revenue to pay back the entirety of our P&A budget for the film to our investors with a nice little dividend, if my math is right. I've got a call later today uh, with uh, our produ producer team that will finalize everything. But based on the numbers I was given last night, I think we have cracked that nut, which now just means we have $2.8 to go 
And and then you know, nice little you know dividend tip for the investors on the production side. So maybe that's a little bit over three million, um, and we're in the clear. So we are we are more than halfway there. And the start of streaming for Nefarious has been very strong. Help us to keep it going. We still remain. It, it's crazy. We still remain among the top five best-selling films right now at Google and YouTube. The number one and number two search engines on planet Earth up against movies with hundreds of millions of dollar production budgets. It's crazy. So help us keep it going. You can, uh, you can rent it right now on YouTube or Google. Uh, you can also find it over on Amazon Prime, uh, Vudu, Roku. Uh, we've been killing it over at Salem now, and I feel like I'm forgetting someplace. But I iTunes. iTunes and Apple. Oh, yeah, only like one of the biggest websites on planet Earth. Apple and iTunes, uh, we, you can get it there as well. So Apple, iTunes, Vudu, uh, Google, and YouTube, Amazon Prime, Roku, uh, and also um, Salem Now. Thank you so much. Let's keep that momentum going. We greatly appreciate it. I, for the first time, I am starting to think that we are going to pay everybody back for this movie. And if you have not yet seen the movie, I promise you. It is worth it. I mean, the emails I'm getting from people now are like, listen, man, I like you. I can't get out to the movies much. Uh, and I just, I thought, I, I was convinced you were overhyping this, I, and I should have known better. I finally rented it. Holy cow, are you kidding me? Just got another great review on a Catholic website today. I saw, I saw that. Yeah. I shared that. I mean, that was, I mean, the, the, the author caught the spirit of the film nearly flawlessly. Uh, the, what we were trying to do with it, the message, everything. Uh, I think I retweeted that review, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, it's funny. I got a note from somebody uh, who said, I got to tell you, I thought the movie was just going to be Christian good. And it, and it made me laugh because growing up as a Detroit Lions fan, we used to have this saying, is a player good or is he Lions good? <laughs> All right. Meaning <laughs> Barry Sanders is just good. Or is he just, we think he's good because he's the best player that is on our, you know, fairly mediocre team. So is it good or Lions good? So it made me think of that when he said, I thought your movie was just going to be Christian good. Holy cow. I could not believe how good it was. It's just good. Indeed. Um, Carrie and Chuck wrote an incredible script, uh, did a phenomenal job directing the film. Brian Jeremiah Smith did an incredible job editing our movie. It's, it's a challenge to edit the pace of a movie that it largely is a self-contained within one set. And then to make it work, your actors have got to have an A game or, and, and then a level after that. And Sean Patrick Flannery and Jordan Belfi both deliver. You will not be disappointed, I promise. You can rent it today. Amazon Prime, Vudu, iTunes, uh, and Apple, Google, and YouTube, Roku, and Salem Now. All right, let's get to it. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a mini media blitz. Ron DeSantis has been back in front of the media a little more the past couple of days, smacking Donald Trump over his gaslighting on COVID. When you are saying that Cuomo did better on COVID than Florida did, you are revealing yourself to just be full of it. Nobody believes that. And you know why? And you know why I know that? Because I remember in 2020 and 2021 when he was praising Florida for being open, saying we did it much better than New York and Michigan and everyone was coming to Florida and that we were one of the great governors in the United States. And he used to say that all the time. Now, all of a sudden, his tune is changing 
And I would just tell people, do you find it credible? Do you honestly find it credible? Would you have rather been in New York during COVID under Cuomo regime? Or would you rather have been in the free state of Florida? In some respects, I think it shows that You know, if you have to make that argument, then you probably don't have very good arguments. On Fox News, DeSantis hit back at California Governor Gavin Newsom's obsession with him. Well, I'd say two things. One, we're number one in new business formations, even though we're only 60 percent of the size of California. We have more business formations here. We have way less tax, way less debt. We have one of the lowest tax and debt burdens in the entire country. We have led amongst all big states since COVID in economic growth. Our unemployment rate's 2.6%. California's is over 4%. And here's the proof in the pudding, Kaylee. For decades in this country, people have beaten a path to California. It's a beautiful state, great topography, all kinds of diversity in terms of the different communities you can live in. And yet, they never lost population until their current governor took office. Now they're hemorrhaging wealth. Now they're hemorrhaging population because you see things like what I saw the other day in San Francisco. I saw people defecating on the sidewalk. I saw Hmm. people in an open-air drug market using fentanyl. I saw them using crack cocaine. And I had, quite frankly, I'm walking the streets, I had some of the the left-wing San Francisco people, uh, you know, say some nasty things to me. But you know what I had, Kaylee? I had the police officers come over uh, and shake my hand and thank me for what we're doing in Florida because they wish that they had a commitment to law and order in the state of California and in San Francisco. So we can cite all the statistics. People vote with their feet. And if someone picks up and moves 2,500 miles across the country from California to Florida, that's a major statement. Meanwhile, old interviews of Donald Trump have surfaced where he praised men pretending to be women. I talk about transgender, everyone goes crazy. Who would have thought five years ago you didn't know what the hell it was? Donald Trump made a controversial decision to allow a transgendered woman born as a man to compete in the Miss Universe beauty pageant. He decided to lift a ban on a transgender woman from entering his Miss Universe competition. I said, let her run. And I think I made the right decision. I feel fine with the decision. I always knew since I was about like four. Really? And I started my therapy and hormone therapy when I was 14. Must have been terribly painful. Surgery is pretty intense. It was obvious to us that she was entitled to compete. Would you feel it would be fair that a transgender woman wins the Miss USA title over a natural born woman? There's so many surgeries and I do accept that. She gave a great answer and she really did a great job. In the future, can transgender women compete in this universe? Yes. And where was Donald Trump a decade ago? He was on the complete opposite side of this issue. Speaking of which, Kelly Robinson, the president of the Human Rights Campaign, that's one of the OG Rainbow Jihad groups, told Senator Ted Cruz yesterday she has no idea what the differences between men and women are. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference between women and men? If the question is about trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? I mean, what I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition okay, okay, happened, I'm, I'm gonna try again. the rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It, it's a yes-no question. It is, it, do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the NCAA. No, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most I, people could answer this very simply. I, I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of the that conversation yes? that we're having. I think that there are definitions related is, to is, sex. Is, is but that I a yes? So I'm trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get, get a speech. 
Oh, I, is I'm, there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. Okay, so you're not answering that. Let me Senator John Kennedy also got in on the action along with Save Women's Sports Advocate Riley Gaines, who was at this Senate hearing as well. You don't Some that believe are that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. Give me an example. Well, no, I, I don't think... How... how, how how many female members of the NBA do you see? Well, I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She is stronger Gaines, than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, he could kick my butt any day of the week. Speaking of Riley Gaines, she and our own Jill Savage are calling on as many people as possible to show up to Knoxville, Tennessee over the course of this weekend. Hey guys, this weekend, June 22nd through June 25th, we will be in Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Pro Nationals Women's Cycling Championship is taking place. Um, we will be there in support of all of the women racing, but in opposition of the men who are also there competing in the women's category. And we need you to join us. It's going to be going on all weekend from the 22nd to the 25th but if you can join us come out on sunday the 25th the race starts at 9 a.m the rally will be at the pat summit plaza at 1 30 we need you guys to come out and show up and save women's sports and now this new data from the group monitoring the future shows a more than alarming rise in depression signals amongst teenagers in just the last three years almost 50 percent of 8th 10th and 12th graders say they feel like they can't do anything right. 49% say they don't enjoy life, and 44% say they believe their life is not useful. These sentiments had seen an alarming rise between 2015 and 2020, but have shot up dramatically since 2020. As Brad Wilcox at the National Marriage Project commented, that is not sustainable. A new study from Denmark used AI, machine learning, to try to predict someone's political views just by studying their face. The results were around 60% accurate and showed that attractive women are more likely to be right-wing in their political views, which is something all of us already knew. And that's what happened while we were away. Nice. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Freedom Project Academy. I know the folks like Dr. Duke Pesta that helped establish FPA because we fought together against Common Core back in the day. My own son Noah was enrolled at FPA for a couple of years as well. He probably would have finished there if he had not taken up a love of football and we needed to you know, put him in a place where he could play uh, well into high school and that's why he's at Des Moines Christian now. So I would highly recommend it based on what I saw. They have perfected the art of online learning. Maybe you're like, I'd love to homeschool my kid, but with my schedule um, and, and, and there's other kids, maybe it... I'm not perfect for or ideal to be the teacher. They can fill that void K through 12 uh, with uh, incredible classes that will help your kid learn how to think 
not what to think. Critical thinking is nurtured and encouraged here. Mastery of subject matter based on Judeo-Christian values. They won't be taught how to be subjected to be mastered by the government. Save 10% on tuition now when you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. That's F-O-R, freedom, F-O-R, school.com, freedomforschool.com. Or if you're like, yeah, let's just slow down a little bit. How about I just want to get some more information? You can do that too. Get a free information packet right there at freedomforschool.com. Uh, coming up later today in the overtime, we asked our Twitter following, do you believe Donald Trump will be incarcerated either in prison or via house arrest before Election Day 2024? The results of that Twitter poll are in. We will discuss those results and more in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, you can become one for just 10 bucks a month by going to blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to the montage. And we have, we have discussed quite a bit the last few days uh, the state of Trump as a candidate. First of all, will he be free to be one? And then secondly, can he win? as a candidate. Given, Aaron, what was uh, one of the dominant themes of your montage, let's discuss DeSantis's path as a candidate because he is considered the stronger general election candidate, but we have this thing called a primary that you have to win before we get there, right? And by all metrics we have, he is more popular with independents than Donald Trump is. By all metrics we have, fewer people are saying they would definitely not vote for him no matter what than are saying that about Donald Trump. Um... And the idea that, well, you know, they haven't started, his name idea is actually much higher than people thought. He's actually a very well-known figure. That being said, however, he is the clear underdog right now in the primary. The betting markets have him at 25% to be um, the, the Republican or the, or the Republican nominee for president. I think it's 55% for Trump, 25% Ron DeSantis is what I saw yesterday. I look it up on Real Clear Politics. Actually, what we're saying, Torum and Huck could be at the same time. Boy, I have I don't know that we even looked at betting odds back then. That's a very good question. It would be less. Yeah. All right, here are, here are the betting odds right now. Um, Trump 55, DeSantis 24. Um, what's fascinating is Trump is given the same odds of winning the presidency in the betting markets that DeSantis is right now of winning the nomination, which just kind of quantifies the, the, the dynamic that I just set. So we asked this week on the show questions of Donald Trump. Hey, prove to us that you can win a general election. I mean, given the odds that are not zero, maybe they're not as high as I think they are, but, but we would at least say they're not zero that he will be a multi-convicted felon and under some form of incarceration by Election Day 2024. I think they're extremely high, but maybe I'm wrong. But we would all say they're certainly not zero. Yeah. They're certainly probably higher than 10%. Fair? You okay with that? All right. So that means that's a possibility. Yeah. And we're talking about a guy that right now in the betting markets is 24% to win. That's an outcome that I think Trump has a responsibility to game plan out and adjudicate for us, that he has a contingency for. Yes. If we're going to entrust him. All right. Well, if we're going to sit here, I think on the other hand, um, if we're going to be intellectually honest and say, well, the metrics show us, and as did the last election cycle, basically one state had a red wave, uh, that Ron DeSantis is the better general election candidate. Well, then he's got to show us that he can actually win this primary. Otherwise, that whole conversation's moot. 
It's every bit as moot as, all right, hey, we, I have gotten, I, I have been very poignant this week. Throw your, throw, make your emotional statement. Fine, cool. Understand, you just probably sent allow the Democrats to pick Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito's successors. And all the emotion you're expending on behalf of the persecution of Donald Trump today probably won't matter one iota to you from January 2025 on. You're going to be able to be pretty pissed about what you're going to see unfold. Okay? Well, the same thing kind of applies here to DeSantis, does it not? Make all the case that you want that this is the stronger general election candidate. If dude can't win the primary, what does any of that matter? Right? Doesn't matter. Right. That, then, that becomes a moot point too, right? So as I was watching your montage, there are fixed points for me that I've shared with you openly that are sort of the, to use a word we're going to use a lot next hour, pillars of my rubric of analysis of this race. Just to reiterate, I, I don't think anybody 80 years old should ever be president. And these, are not, these aren't in, in like order of priority, just the order that I'm thinking. They are kind of are in, they're all in their glommed in their own group. I, I think the country desperately needs to move on generationally. And I, I think that Donald Trump is darn near insalvageable with independence and very hard to win a general election as a Republican if you can't win them. I went back and looked at the exit polling going back for 50, as far back as I could find it, 1976. I didn't find a single year that more Republicans turned out in a presidential election than Democrats by party ID. Not a single one. Which meant that every time I found years where I found a couple years where there was a tie. 2004, I think, was the last time there was a tie. But in every election I could find other than 2004, Democrats, more registered Democrats turned out. Which means a Republican's going to have to win independence. Going to have to. That's, that's your coalition. And Trump and people associated with him have lost them now three consecutive elections. So those are all things that factor into my rubric. Here's another one. I think much of what we have said about this primary will, will be either confirmed irrevocably or rendered null and void on the night of August 24th. They've moved it now. It's August 24th is going to be the first debate. They originally said the 23rd. The first debate now is August 24th in Milwaukee, hosted by Fox News. And forgive me, I'm a child of the 80s, man, so this is the gospel of Ric Flair. Woo! If you're going to beat the man, you got to walk that aisle, right? Going to beat the man, or be the man, you got to beat the man, right? Going to be the man, you got to beat the man. And one of the, one of the issues, I, I had a conversation with uh, uh, my book publisher, the president of my book publisher yesterday about something. And off, out of the blue, he mentions this to me. He says, hey, you know what? And he lives, he goes back, his, he's got two, his company has two offices. Postal Press has offices in New York and Nashville. He kind of goes back and forth, but mostly he's in New York. He, I mean, he runs one of the more, you know, uh, um, proliferate disseminators of conservative content at Post Hill Press. And he, before that, he, he ran a conservative line at a major, I think, I think it was Simon & Schuster, one of the biggest publishers in the world. So it's not like he's, you know, not informed in the conservative media sphere. His clients include people like Steve Day, Stan Bongino. It's not like he doesn't know what's going on, okay? Kaylee McEnany. 
And uh, he says to me during our conversation, kind of a non sequitur yesterday, he's like, hey, you know, my wife was telling me that DeSantis signed some legislation in Florida that made it like extremely affordable for baby and family goods. Like you can't tax any of that. That's incredible. Why didn't I hear more about this? How come I'm just hearing about it from my wife? I told him why, and I'll tell you what I told him. There has been a de facto shadow ban in much of conservative media on Ron DeSantis since, since about the week after he announced his candidacy. There's a couple of reasons why. One is organic because of all the legal issues and problems uh, that they are presenting to Donald Trump. It can't help but to some degree take all the oxygen out of the room. But there's another problem, and I, w- and I would say that's the majority of it. I'd say, but I don't think it's like 90-10. I'd say it's, it's more like 60-40. I think that's, it, it's a majority of, of, of why that has happened to DeSantis. Like if DeSantis had signed that kind of legislation a year ago in a Florida legislative session, that would have been like the lead story everywhere in conservative media, right? <laughs> and, and, and conservative media would have gone down. Like all the other Republican governors and said, that's a great example. You should be following that, right? right? Mm-hmm. It barely registered. Why? Because of the other 40%. Fear of alienating our bases. Fear of ratios. I don't know anybody in this business. I don't. That, ha- that privately has told me, including names you would know, that they really believe Donald Trump can win a general election. In fact, everybody I know has told me they don't. I talked to one person, a definite name you would know, who told me, I'm already telling people. I'm already telling donors. Do whatever you can to get to 51 senators. No chance he can win a general. So long term, much of my industry, I think, understands this is a a point of diminishing returns. This is a loss leader. The problem is, Ron DeSantis, or nobody else for that matter, has demonstrated enough of a public profile to justify cutting bait and they don't, people don't want to look like they're abandoning Trump and lose their audience. Now, I don't care. I came from a mailroom. I'm not a millionaire, you know. So I, I don't care. If anything, I have to stop myself from purposefully losing my audience because the idea of, of getting run out by the people I'm trying to help for, for trying to help them and telling them the truth just completely fits the narrative of my entire biblical worldview because there's only, what, 70 examples of that, Genesis through Revelation, that I have to be talked out of doing that recklessly just to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's my temptation. My temptation is to go out of my way to offend you just to prove the overall narrative of my point. And I think that's why that debate matters greatly. If, if, if Saul shows us that David is not yet able to fit into his armor, I think Ron DeSantis can raise all the money he wants. He can do everything he wants from an organizational standpoint, barring something unforeseen, which we are living in the era of unforeseen. I think his candidacy is in real trouble. On the other hand, I watched Newt Gingrich, who was completely washed up and over as a candidate until one debate on a Saturday night in South Carolina, and in 72 hours ended up nearly sweeping that entire state in that primary. And that was 10 years ago when viral moments were kind of new, not as plentiful as they are today. If David walks that aisle with his five smooth stones and says, I'm ready, I'm ready. Saul, Saul, Saul doesn't have the balls to go down to the Valley of Elah. He just sits out here and talks. He just sits out here and tweets. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. Truths. 
pushes videos. I'm, I am the one who will go down to the valley and I will confront Goliath. If he shows that, then this thing turns on a dime. And a lot of people suddenly get a, a shot of courage juice that they don't have right now. And the odds even up a little bit. Now, how does he do that? I think much of what was in the clips that Aaron showed, he has to present that on a stage. What Trump hates the most is to look weak, to look diminished, like he lacks gravitas. As much as I love Ted Cruz, he struggled to manifest that within debates. The one time he did is the debate that so embarrassed Trump before Iowa that he, he ducked out of the last Iowa debate. And that's when I knew we were going to win. And we did. But that, that tone of, old man, you're out of your league. You don't know who you're talking about here. And you don't know what you're talking about. It's not Marco Rubio, small hands, and Martin name. That just debases you back. You've got to show that you are the alpha male in this room and that Trump is a pretender. You have to silence him. And that's how David shows that Saul has outlived his usefulness. And it is time now to hand King David the crown. And he has to do that, though, to Trump's face. If he can manifest what is in that clip, you say stuff like this, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a clown. Everybody knows this isn't true. You're lying to your own audience. Furthermore, you're abusing them by gaslighting them to this extreme. If you can pull that off to Trump's face, well, now, that's called a pin. But you've got to do it to his face. Thoughts, gentlemen, before we get out of here? Well, I'm for whatever reality is. Just reality, that's what I want uh, coming out of that uh, back and forth in, in August. Because in Aaron's montage there, the whole thing with Trump and uh, Miss World or Miss Universe or whatever he ran, it just goes to show everything that Trump has become on both sides is utterly absurd. He's Hitler. He's the great GOP. He's none of those things. None of it, my point is, has been real. And look at what we do every day talking about him. I want the reality of that debate. Up, down, whatever it is. I'm so tired of the fake. Aaron, you have a quick one on this? Uh, not that I can get in before the break, sorry. All right, we'll come back. Fight by flight. A pastor says you got to think about it. We'll talk to him in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Don't forget about our friends over at Jace Medical. They're the ones that brought us the Jace case of venerable antibiotics medications that you never know might be the next ones that uh, after decades of accolades, they suddenly tell us right when we need them the most. Well, those are dangerous and can possibly be used. In fact, if anything, they should be banned. Uh, they also now want to make sure the medications you are using right now 
Don't suffer the same fate. You can back them all up via Jace Medical for 12 months, a 12-month backup supply of your own medications just in case of... Uh, We'll call it emergency. Yeah, we'll go with that term. This includes a wide range of things from heart health, diabetes, blood pressure, mental health even, and more. If you want to take advantage of this to have peace of mind and knowing you are prepared for the next time they try to let's go brand in your way of life, use the promo code DACE at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E. J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Promo code DACE at jacemedical.com. Name of the book, Fight by Flight, Why Leaving Godless Places is Loving Godless Places. I love it already. The author, and he's a pastor, Joel Webbin, joins us here on the show. Joel, it is good to have you with us, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. So, Joel, last week, just for fun, because I'm that kind of guy, and this is what I do for fun, Joel, which means I'm not very fun. (laughs) But I went and looked at just eight random states that Republicans haven't won in a presidential election in a gener- in nearly a biblical generation, 40 years, 39 to be precise, 1984. And in these eight states, 17.01 million people combined in these states, I would argue, completely wasted their vote, just tossed their franchise into the trash right. by voting for Donald Trump. I mean, that, it was a vote that had no power, no potency. The three decisive states in the 2020 election were determined by around 45,000 votes, Joel. Yeah. That's it. If 10%, 10, okay, dude, I can't leave my job. I'm feeding multiple families. Cool. Um, my grandma, my mom is sick. I got to take care of her. Cool. All right. I'm a missionary. God called me to plant a church here. By all means, that comes mm-hmm. before voting for any of these hackneyed Republicans. Do that. Fair? Okay. Do you think that, how, what percentage do you think that represents of all 17 million of those people, Joel? Because I'm thinking it's probably no more right. than 10%, right? Okay. Very small. All right. So if, the, if, if, if 10, but just 10% of those 17 million people strategically spread out over Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, hell, if 100,000 people in New York, New York State just left and moved to Pennsylvania, okay? Michigan, the demonic left could not win a national election anywhere in, in any era. Well, they just right. steal it, Steve. First of all, if you believe that, you're, that they can steal any margin for error, then I don't know why you haven't joined a militia by now and gotten ready for civil war. If you truly believe that, that's BS, all right? Uh, no, there are, there are margins that they cannot possibly steal. We just saw it in Florida. We saw it in my home state of Iowa. There are, are more margins you can rack up that they cannot steal. And this is not a popular message when I give it, Joel. I'm used, though, to not giving popular messages. So um, welcome to our mutual uh, admiration society. I appreciated your message. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's not popular at all. I get lots of pushback um, because I was in California and there's a lot of people who are upset that I left and a lot of people who are upset that I published this book. They're upset every time I do a podcast on it um, because they they're still living underneath what I would consider to be at least a mild form of delusion that they are a missionary. And you cited that as an exception. We're saying there are exception clauses, uh, the sick pawpaws, right? You, you've mm-hmm. said that on your show before, yep. the missionaries. Uh, but here's the deal. There are 42 million people, total population in California. So we'll just deal with that state as our case study. 42 million total population, 16 million of those 42 are professing Christians. Now that doesn't mean every single one is regenerate. That doesn't 
doesn't mean there are 16 million bona fide born again believers, but 16 million of the 42 claim that Jesus is Lord. So out of that 16 million, when you're looking at that number, 16 million, I mean, if just a fraction of that, right, Trump got 6 million votes in the state of California, and and that's because he was close. No, not even close. 12 million for Biden. So you're talking, you're talking less than one and a half percent. You're talking less than one percent. If the, if they moved of the 6 million votes, probably many of those being professing Christians of the 16 million professing Christians, if they moved respectively to the three states that you've mentioned, these 6 million Trump voters before the election, less than 1%, then you're talking 13 service members still alive in Afghanistan. You're talking uh, vaccine mandates and all the, I mean, the world would be different. We always say, love your neighbor, love you, your neighbor. Uh, the way that you vote is one of perhaps the easiest, least amount of time in terms of what it requires, but one of the most potent and profound ways that we can love our name, our neighbors, not just in the country, but because of America's influence globally, you can love neighbors on the other side of the world. Millions of neighbors loved by just uh, leaving the beach. Hmm. The irony of this, of course, I had someone come at me last week when I put out these numbers. I just don't get the motivation of moving uh, in order to, uh, to try to generate more freedom. And my response back was, have you heard of this holiday called Thanksgiving? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean it, forgive me. I mean, I know we've turned the term Puritan into a slur, okay? Because, I mean, we hate our heritage and legacy so much as a people that we have now decided to turn our own uh, true founding fathers, the Puritans, into a slur. And even within the church, they're a slur. Okay, Uh, yeah, because the people that all had 15 kids, Joel, were very prudish. All the people that had 15 (laughs) kids apiece, just extremely prudish. Nevertheless, I don't uh, know how that scientifically works. I don't either. They were all immaculate conceptions. I mean, I just was amazing. (laughs) But anyway, um, uh, these are people that left their home country and understand they weren't up against the Moors. All right. The the, the Muslim conquistas had not entered through London. Hadn't come across, you know, uh, the Thames. All right. They were fleeing people that looked like them, spoke like them, worshipped like them. They had to flee them. They had to go. They had to they had to jump for three months on a rickety boat to come and risk life and limb in an un, in an unexplored land. And they that we are a country founded by people who literally moved here for more freedom. And I have people saying to me, I don't understand the motivation of moving for more freedom. I, I, right. then, then stop celebrating Thanksgiving, I guess. I, I, that's right. literally the founding of the country, Joel. Right. No, the, the problem is this. Theologically, we have no category for fleeing except for surrender. So a lot of Christians, they don't know how to process the decision of leaving the battle, so to speak, without viewing that as you're throwing in the towel, you're quitting. They see it as compromise. And that's the whole premise of the book, why why I named it Fight by Flight. What I want to break down is the false dichotomy that it's either fight or flight, that there's only those two options. If you're fleeing, you're not fighting. Well, I disagree. I think that one of the ways that you beat the enemy um, is that you stop funding them. And, and this is real hard for Christians to do. I, I'll admit it'll hurt, but take a real clear look in the mirror, right? So just look at a calendar year. How many people did you lead to Christ? In that, in that year? How much did you tithe to the local church? What did your local church do with that tithe? How much of a spine does your local pastor have, right? What, what, are they, what are they actually doing as a church community? So what kind of spiritual fighting are, are you putting forward? Now, let's go ahead and let's look at that same calendar year. What did you pay in state taxes? 
And and what percentage of those state taxes go to fund Planned Parenthood? What's it cost Planned Parenthood to uh, to chop up one baby, right? How how many babies their murders did you fund? Um, it, the reality is, is that's hard. That's a hard conversation to have. Uh, but the reality is this: there are some people who really do meet the Bible's criteria of missionary status. Sixteen million professing Christians, they don't. But some do. They they meet and they are they are punching above their weight. They're fighting. Yeah, they, they have no choice. If they're going to be present in a state like California, they're going to fund. Uh, but they've been shrewd with the funding and they are punching well above their weight with the fighting. And so it makes sense for them to be there. But the average professing Christian in, in a liberal, you know, blue progressive state, uh, my assertion is that they are actually funding more than they're fighting. And so they're leaving. If they were to flee, that fleeing would not be cowardice. It would not be surrender. It would not be compromise. They actually would be fighting by their fleeing because ultimately, here's the deal. A guy like Governor Newsom, he's not going to stop until he actually has to eat a spoonful of his own medicine, until he actually is forced to lie in the bed that he's been making. And and one of the things that's going to force these progressive rulers, demigods, to actually uh, experience the consequences of their own godless ideology is if the salt of the earth stops propping them up. Right. So I, I kind of real quick, I, I just I picture it like if, if you're in um, Siberia, Russia, right, it, like a war kind of thinking like a general. If, if you're at war and, and your enemy is in Siberia, Russia and, and you're fighting them in the tundra, I mean, it's ice cold. There's no vegetation. There's no resources. And you're out there fighting them. And, and there's let's say there's 10,000 Russians that you're trying to take down and you've got all these storehouses, right? You've got all your resources, all all these uh, uh, food items items and clothing and, and warmth. And, and the Russians, every couple weeks, every fortnight, they're, pick, they're taking down one of your storehouses and raiding all of your resources. Um, and, and, then, and then in the same time period of once every two weeks, you, you're, you're taken out with your snipers, maybe 10, maybe 12, maybe 15 of the actual enemy. Well, at that point, you got to stop and think for a second, what if we just pulled out and just let the Siberian tundra take out the enemy for us? What, what if we just let let the Russians defeat themselves? What if we just let it implode? And and I think that man, if if it's so, there's the not just how you vote, but the where you vote factor. So so not just how can you can change federal politics? That's a love towards neighbors all over the world, but also in terms of that individual state having a wake up call. Man, if you stop funding. And and I just think most of us, we don't want to admit it. It's hard to admit. But the average Christian is doing, by their mere presence, they're doing more funding than fighting. That's the premise. Final thing before we let you go, because that was extremely well said. Let me just ask point blank. How much of this is just our own idolatry? We're just comfortable where we live. How much of it is that? I mean, I mean, mean, if, 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 you know, Western civilization was saved by a strategic retreat on the beaches of France called Dunkirk. Uh, Western civilization came to North America because pilgrims fled England and brought it here. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, don't just stand there and watch the rot flee, flee. And so when the early Christians saw the, 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 the desecration of the temple, that's exactly what they did. They remember they were taught the words of Christ. When he said, when you see that abomination, when you see Titus and Hadrian do what they did in history, run. And they did. So there's actually a pretty great uh, lineage uh, in Western uh, uh, heritage of strategic fleeing. So how much of this is really just I'm just I'm just comfortable. I think it's it's just easier to watch Fox News all day and vote Republican repeatedly to save America. 
For sure. So I think it's convenience. I think um, a lot of people care more about uh, the weather than they care about eternal things. So there's the convenience, there's the the own personal you know pleasures and comforts. That's a factor, no doubt. But honestly, and I'll be careful with this because he just passed away. And I believe that he's a Christian. I believe he's in the presence of the Lord right now as we speak. And he did a lot of good early in his ministry. I didn't like some of the later fruit, but I'm talking about uh, Pastor Tim Keller. And he's not the only one, but I think he was the tip of the spear. Over the last 20 years, it has become incredibly popular within the evangelical realm, this idea of in the of the city and for the city, right? In the, You can't be in and for the country, but you can be in and for the city. You can also be in and for the world, right? So you can be a tribalist, you can be a globalist, you just can't be a nationalist, mm-hmm. right? Christian nationalism, that's a bad thing. So in and for the city. And I think that at the end of the day, I, I think there's the comfort factor, the convenience factor, but I also really think this missionary mindset is a major factor that at the end of the day, a lot of people feel like ministry doesn't count. It's not valuable. It's not potent unless it's in Manhattan, unless it's in LA, unless it's, you know, in one, and, and at the end of the day, flyover country, rural, faithful, rural ministry. Um, I, I think there's a lot of Christians that if they're honest, uh, they think that the person who lives in Kansas is, uh, is just not valuable. They, they don't, the salt of the earth, the blue collar, you know, um, rural kind of Christian, they, they, they've taken after the Russell Moore types. They look down their nose. They agree. The average Christian, I think, agrees with David French. They think, not the average Christian, but the average Christian in these blue contexts, I think they, they agree more with David French and a little bit less with someone like Doug Wilson. They think Idaho, you know, it's just a bunch of podunk people that uh, it's just not valuable. And so I'm going to be a missionary with where, where the chief seats mm. are in the synagogues, where the importance and influence is. So I think it's a comfort factor. I think you're absolutely right, Steve. But, but I don't think it's just the convenience. I also think it's the priding yourself, patting yourself on the back that I'm doing the the Green Beret missionary status to the elites. Hmm. Fight by flight. Why leaving godless places is loving godless places from Pastor Joel Webbin. Good to have you on the show, Joel. You've been kind to have me on yours in the past as well, brother. God bless you. I appreciate appreciate you broaching this topic, and I hope you end up being hated everybody as much as I am when I talk about it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. All right, Aaron, I want to go back to you in the conversation we were having last hour. So you've got a little bit more time now. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I would, you know, I'd, I'd say a couple of things about that conversation. You can as do well. that too. The floor is yours. Um, I think what he said at the very end there. I know people personally, or have known people personally, pastors even. It's not that they don't think. I mean, there is there is this notion that you know uh, the the average churchgoer in Kansas or flyover country isn't valuable. There's actually a little bit of contempt there as well. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of contempt. That's a major problem, a major, major problem. And I've seen that with my own eyes and ears. Is, is rural ministry, especially in the older generations, can that be a challenge? I, yeah, I've seen that as well. But they're every bit as much made in the image of God as the Manhattan socialite. And so to look down upon those, those areas, that is you're doing yourself, you're doing your nation and you're doing the kingdom of God a great disservice. What do you think? I just can't uh, remember the last time I came into an interview having no idea about somebody and being absolutely certain I need to know who somebody is going forth because that, every word, was solid food. 
um, um, uh, for him to make sure that you understood both legs of that stool there at the end and linking it to David French. Obviously, that's my jab. Absolutely. There's just a snobbery that goes involved with a lot of uh, modern uh, Christianity. Uh, but on the comfort factor, as you said, Steve, I pointed as soon as you brought that up. Listen, there is in these places, if we get we know what's going on there, They're, they've created a, a, a life for themselves that basically is a man cave. In, in its totality and they have their stuff and they have their things and they do their things and for the most they're comfortable and people are most mostly left alone mm-hmm. but that that's if they're christian if they're not christians i understand why they think that way but if they are that's not a christian way of looking at the world again which joel so obviously points out that's not a standard it's not acceptable i had not considered because you know i'm this is a generational thing Aaron's got a younger generation. I, I grew up reading hip, hipster Christianity books by people like Tim Keller and Donald Miller. And I, I could absolutely, therefore, see, you know, that's where, we, you know, I want a church that MSNBC anchors feel like they can come to, which was the case with Tim Keller's church, for example. Um, I, I can see that generationally. I think in our generation, a lot of it is I just I'm, I'm raising my kids here and I'm just, you know, this is where my life is. And I'm just I think I'm just comfortable. Yeah, I think that's what it largely is when we talk to Gen Xers. I, I think that's what it is. You know, we'll come back theology Thursday. We'll talk God's or the or kingdom politics, returning God to government by Dr. Tony Evans. When we do, stay tuned. here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin all of you and you can all let us know at some point in time what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing us steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab follow me at steve dace show on twitter get our instagram and tiktok you can also find me on truth social at real steve dace there don't forget to find us as well uh, by hitting us up for a five-star review and subscribe or follow if you like us on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. I am told they were helpful uh, in, in, in terms of making the, the, the proper offering to the algorithmic gods. I have no idea why because I'm going to be 50 in a month, so I have no idea. I mean, generationally, I have no idea why it helps. I'm just assured by people who are responsible for compensating me that it does. So I'm going to trust them because they've got the money. All right. So you can you can assure that that I will get some more of their money by hitting us up with a five star review and subscribe. Or if you listen via iTunes uh, with a follow. Thank you again to all of you that have done that. And thank you to all of you that have donated to Preborn uh, since we started partnering with them here on the show and on the blaze. Our goal this year is to work with this outstanding uh, pro-life ministry to save 70,000 babies in 2023. They understand, all right, um, that it takes truth and grace, that confrontation needs to happen for persuasion to happen. And so moms who are thinking of killing their babies, they are confronted gently, 
but it is a confrontation nevertheless. They are confronted with the reality of the heartbeat of that separate being that they are carrying. And what they have found over the years is about 80% of the time, a mom will have her conscience convicted and won't go through with that child's murder which is great, but they also understand a preborn. That's, that's not the end of the, of the story. Uh, that is still a mom in crisis now. And now that will be a baby, in, a, a born baby into crisis too. And so they are there um, with comprehensively counseling, um, pre postnatal care, uh, formula, car, car seats, cribs, all of it free of charge because of tax deductible gifts from people like us. And if you would like to make one of those gifts, just dial pound two fifty. Say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. That's pound 250 with the keyword baby on your mobile phone or go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, preborn.com slash Steve. Once again, preborn.com slash Steve. The book asks this question, will we be one nation under God or a divided nation apart from God? The name of the book is Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government by Dr. Tony Evans. We have been doing a series chapter by chapter here on Theology Thursday for the last few weeks, looking at this book. And this week we're on chapter four, the pillars of righteousness and justice. And this week I'm going to go first, if you guys don't mind. Okay. I want to begin with what Dr. Evans says here. When a nation on any level bucks right and wrong behaviors, as God calls them to be, it gets swept off the pavement of history. When a nation rebels against the laws of God, it receives for itself and its inhabitants the just results of its choices and actions. Let me repeat that. When a nation rebels against the laws of God, it receives for itself and its inhabitants the just results of its choices and actions. I've mentioned this before. I used to think when we got to be Im- heavily debauched and immoral that, that that would provoke the wrath of God. Then I studied Romans. And Romans 1 says, no, that is the wrath of God. It says the wrath of God is revealed to mankind. And how is it revealed? Though they knew the truth, they denied it. They rejected it. They worshiped created things rather than the creator who should be worshiped forevermore. Amen. They exchanged the truth for a lie and thus were given over to their own depraved minds to do what must not be done. Exchanging natural affections. That's the judgment. The debauchery is the judgment. God removing the sovereign hand of his common grace or natural law, whatever tradition you come out of and however you want to frame it but removing his restraining hand against evil in a culture and saying, fine, we'll go Burger King here. You can have it your way. And then it's just our sinfulness upon our sinfulness and we feast on one another. That is what Dr. Evans is saying here. When a nation rebels against the laws of God, it receives for itself given over and its inhabitants, the just results Or as Romans puts it, the due penalty. What does due penalty mean? Just result. What's just result mean? Due penalty. This is what you asked for. You wanted it. I'm giving you what you said you want. You wanted freedom apart from me. You may have it. (laughs) 
God is near to the nation who follows his rule, but he is far from the nation that does not. Now listen to this. Putting in God we trust on our money or declaring that we are one nation under God is not enough when unrighteousness is the standard by which a nation is defined or governed. God will disconnect himself from any nation that exalts false gods rather than him, the removing of his hand. Keep in mind, an idol or a false god does not need to be referred to as a god. It just needs to shape and influence our decision-making more than God, like our comfort, for example, can do that. The religion of humanism and idolatry of man has invited God's passive wrath of divine abandonment into this land, and Christians have been co-conspirators in this regard. What Dr. Evans just did for you is quantify hermeneutically into our current cultural metric what Paul wrote in Romans 1. If Paul was writing this to, if the letter was Americans 1, it would, it would be basically what Dr. Evans just wrote. Right here. Let me give you an example that just happened in my inbox a moment ago. Donna wrote me a note. Here's what it said. Uh Uh-oh. Yep, you're losing your audience. Ron is a rhino, and so are all the rest except Vivek. (laughs) If Trump doesn't win, that's not the part that I'm alluding to, as funny as that is. If Trump doesn't win, the Bushes, Clintons, NWO, and Bill Gates, and Satan win, period. Stop pushing Ron the rhino. You just don't get it. You're not as smart. You don't get it, Steve. You're not as smart as you think you are. Trump is on God's side. The rest aren't, period. So we don't give a damn what the polls show or any other type of political analysis, BS ad nauseum. None of it matters. So at this point, I can't take your Debbie Downer analysis anymore. Notice there is no refutation of what I said. That's not to say that what I... Am I claiming that what I said is ultimate truth and there is no other possible analysis or take? Did I say that? No. No, no, of course. Do I think what I said is true? Well, yeah. Otherwise, why did I say it? But just, be, just think, because I think what I said is true doesn't mean I think I am truth. Those are two different things, okay? I think what I said is true, otherwise I wouldn't have said it. But that doesn't mean I am true, or I am truth. But yet, notice none of this note. And I'm, and I'm, I'm using it as an example because, folks, I get this example, and I have my entire career, long before Donald Trump came down an escalator. You guys, Aaron, you grew up here, here, yeah. hearing me do, do shows like this. The names were different. And the talking points were different, but it was the same. We, all the same points about John McCain, all the same points about Mitt Romney. Everything I've done, I've done this show a million times, going back to my first day on the job, June 15, 2006. You acknowledge we are in a spiritual war, so why can't you apply the same reasoning to the election? Here's what I wrote back to her. I wrote back to her, Donna. When I suggested that Trump should repent of his mistakes that cost people dearly, I am offering how to win a spiritual war. But since, it's, but since it admits Trump is not infallible, you just couldn't hear it. It's not typical political 
BS ad nauseum analysis to use words like sin and repentance and restoration in a political analysis, is it? No. But it is very common parlance when you're talking about a spiritual war, is it not? It is. It is. Was that not the very conversation that I just had yesterday? We've been having it all week. Yes. I am. But Donna, you're an idolater. And you're not alone. There are many idolaters in this audience. Probably not as many as there are in many other audiences, if we're being honest. But there's still going to be some. But you're an idolater, Donna. You have turned Donald Trump into something he is not. You have fashioned him as your idol. I love you, and, and I, I'm commanded to love my neighbor as I love myself. That's why I'm going to tell you this. And I'm going to tell all of you this that have done the same thing. And lest, and, and since we're invoking Paul in Romans, let me do a very Paul, Paulinian tactic, which is what makes Romans both so inspiring and difficult for Christians. Because right when Paul has absolutely destroyed, annihilated, poleaxed, pulverized, and incinerated all arguments against the gospel, and he and you're, we're cheering him on, he then turns to us and says, now let's talk about the beam in all of you guys' eyes while we're at it here, mm-hmm. lest you get self-righteous. That's, that's kind of the symmetry of Romans, okay, is no one, no one gets out alive. <laughs> no one gets out alive. Everything's done. Dust. By the time Paul is done, then he's like, God bless you, son. All right. I mean, by the time Romans is completed, all family business has been settled. It is the theological equivalent of the, of the, of the baptism scene at the end of the Godfather too. The difference though, is the Corleones also are dealt with. All right. Everyone's dealt with. Everyone's confronted. Everyone is smited by the time it is done. Only God is great. And the rest of us are like, I've, I need to recognize God is great before it's too late. <laughs> All right. And so let me now point to the, to the DeSanta stands in the audience snickering as I point out that Donna is an idolater. You are one decision away from joining Donna. You are one meme of no one can save us but Ron DeSantis away. From joining Donna. Because our hearts, every last one of us, whether we're talking to Donna or Steve or Todd or Aaron, the intern Victoria sitting over there, any of you within the sound of my voice, our hearts are little idle making factories. And man, that assembly line wants to start up constantly. Constantly. This is why Paul says, I die monthly. Every month, you know, I do a self-awareness check. Is that what Paul wrote? No. Daily. Daily. I die semi-annually. I die when my accountability about guys uh, finally, uh, I, I finally pick up the phone when they call me. That's when I die. No? No. No. What does he say? Daily. Daily. Why does Paul have to die daily? Because of what I just said. Our hearts, man. That switch... And it'll turn, it, it'll turn itself on if we're not careful, man. And before you know it, you're not even realizing you're an idolater. You're like, I didn't turn it on. How'd we get here? Because Paul has an answer for that too. And guess where that's at in Romans as well. Romans 7, the good that I want to do, I don't. The evil I don't want to do, I do. What a wretch am I who will save me from this? Without dying daily. Without recognizing the lordship of Christ daily, you will become an idolater. Did I did, did I say you can become one? 
No. No, what did I say? Will. You will. You will become one. No alternative. You'll become one. You cannot do this on your own. None of us can. So if you're, if you're, if you're a DeSantis stand and you're snickering right now, understand you are one killer meme away from joining Donna just with a cult with different colors. We are now looking, we, we don't need any more battles between Faramir and Baramir. And, and, and let's, have, let's throw Denethor in there for a threesome. Three self-righteous, highly deceived people who think that they will somehow avoid the pitfalls of hero worship and adulation that everyone before them who took it upon themselves to put that ring on their finger befell to. You're looking for Aragorns who recognize, I'm not, don't bring that in. I, I'm from the same line. I'm... Notice Aragorn's not comfortable becoming and accepting the role of king until what? The ring is thrown into the pit, into the fire. You're looking for Aragorns and Frodo's. People who will either throw the ring into the fire or recognize they aren't fit to wear that ring. Everything else is idolatry. Donna is an idolater. She is not alone. The more that we desert God, the more we put our trust in human beings. We will all worship something. It's unavoidable. Unavoidable. We have lost collectively our faith in God. I mean, if we're going to be completely blunt here, and why not? Donna just said our only hope against Satan is someone who has lied to multiple wives, lied to multiple creditors, puts out ads daily lying to his own base about the record of one of his primary opponents. And how many times have you been jabbed, Donna, and how's that going for you? Yeah, I, I'm... Now, he also is the most pro-life president we had. How many lives probably were saved because he kept us out of unjust wars? It's a very complicated formula analyzing the morality of Donald Trump. Do you know why? Because it is a complicated formula analyzing the morality of every single one of us. We're sinners. There is only one only hope. His name is not Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Steve Dace, Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> okay? There's only one, only hope. The rest of us need him to offer you any hope. Without him, we have no hope for you. And to place your hope in us without him is when you become an idolater. That's not going to save America. Making human beings infallible. Making any human being your only one. Making any human being the only chance we have is idolatry. And I promise you, God will not bless that. Never has, never will. Well, Steve, God uses terrible people all throughout the scriptures. You are conflating holiness with humility. God can only use unholy people. Why? Because there are only unholy people. 
But in doing so, his holiness overcomes their unholiness. God does not use people for good that are not humble. Instead, he will humble them in this life or the next. And sometimes the cost of that humility is grave to them and then the people around them and under their charge. We are up against a horde of idolaters. The ultimate idolatry is, I will be like God. I will ascend like the Most High. That is the ultimate idolatry. That is the language of the devil. Donna has correctly deduced that, that we are literally up against the forces of Satan. She is correct about that. But Donna's solution is to make the mistake of Eve. I will offer up my own humanistic, idolatrous interpretation of events rather than God's. And what happened when Eve did that? Did a good thing happen or a bad thing? Bad. Very bad. There are two options, Christ or chaos. There are no other options. There never were any other options. There isn't a third way. You want to know why the American Revolution succeeded and the French and many other attempts did not? Because undergirded in our, revol in our revolution wasn't the Constitution. It wasn't even a gleam in the eye. It was, we have no king but Jesus. The recognition that even the powerful must bend the knee to the power of powers, to the king of kings. If we don't bring that back, we're not bringing this country back. We are done. Gentlemen, what about this chapter would you like to discuss? Well, it turns out it was the exact same thing because... Uh, and I've mentioned this uh, on the show, but there's the, the single greatest uh, thing I've ever taken away uh, from you in terms of a um, theological understanding of a really isn't a, a complicated truth at all, but it just exploded on me the way it was uh, you were doing uh, your radio show. We, we were friends. I remember exactly where I was when you discussed this about what God's judgment actually looks like. It's not like, oh, things are bad here. Judgment's coming. No. Judgment came because things are bad. Uh, I remember where I was. I was sitting in my church parking lot actually waiting for a meeting when you discussed this. Mm -hmm. And it just like exploded on me. And it's, it's formulated the way I uh, think about everything. Of course... You and I were, boy, this is probably going back 15, 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but even us understanding it at that time and you being as bold as you were then, still looking where we are now, the rubber band, we would have thought like, well, if it ever gets this bad, right. surely. No. Right. And right. God's like, oh, Steve. <laughs> I know. I'm going to show you what true depravity looks like. Trust me. Just hold on tight. Um, but here, this, we're only on the first line yeah, of Romans one, yeah, guys. Is basically what God is saying. We haven't gotten to the end yet. Okay, I know. yeah. But yeah, this this is so right. We are absolutely being judged by like he. God said, "Okay, fine. It's Burger King. Have it your way." Uh, but this makes me think of Aaron's montage, and uh, this chapter does righteousness and justice because that whole that whole back and forth between uh florida and new york florida and california the obvious comparisons where would you rather want to live there's a cautionary tale but there, remember it, it's been about 15 years it was happening during um governor um ran for uh, ran for president rick perry mm -hmm. the, the tech boom right 
Texas. People were fleeing back then. California to Texas. And we're talking about how that's become the place you want to live. Steve, when's the last time you said you'd rather live in Texas than Iowa? It's been a, it, since COVID. It's because... And all we did was talk about, man, Texas was my, yeah. it was my relocation mistress for like the five years before COVID. Yes. And this is why we need to be careful with Florida, but also in terms of Ron DeSantis. What's sustainable? What's the next step after you get that movie? Because Florida is now primed with a bunch of people moving there for a lot of reasons, stuff, comfort, things like that, to just be dealing with what Texas is dealing with now. How far away from being a purple state instead of a red state if you you got to be serious about righteousness and justice if you are there will be people there who will flee it which and is this a goes good to thing. go to josh Weeban too want, yeah you want the, 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 other, the other way, way. yes yes you do if you're yes. serious about this this isn't about a come let us create a place where everybody's come. no i want the people who want to groom my children terrified of living in that place Preach. terrified Preach. make them run that's what righteousness and real righteousness and real justice it's like the vampires will flee they will see that crucifix and they will flee preach amen Amen on that sorry about the beeping in the background i just went over to the next door and the uh, work crew is mia and i have no idea how to turn it off so it's just a troll someone emailed me and said that is Stop the beeping. Someone teach me, email me. That beeping goes perfectly with how you raise our blood pressure on this show. <laughs> it's a great troll. <laughs> um, so one one note on Romans on Romans one that occurred to me. Any kind of judgment from God is perfect because God is perfect. I think Romans one judgment is is definitely falls into that because God is perfect. But it, it, it's just it is perfection. Because we do it to ourselves, we inflict the judgment on ourselves, we provoke it ourselves, and we like it. And we keep polishing that precious all the way down mm. into the pit. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect judgment, because God is perfect. Along those lines, you know, talking about laws and, and society and politics, there's actually a really personal application to one of the major themes of this chapter. And I just want to read what I'm basing this off of. Righteousness is the standard of right and wrong that has been established by God. It's right because he says it is right, or it is wrong because he says it is wrong. Things are not right because you think they are right, or because the culture, media, educational institutions, or Hollywood says they are right. That's merely human opinion. Righteousness is the standard of right and wrong that has been established by God. It is right because he says it is right. If you don't in your heart, deep down in your heart, get that right. Not saying that you become righteousness or you become righteous. There's none who are righteous, actually. If you don't admit that, that what is right is right because because God says it is right or wrong because God says it is wrong. If you do not get that right in your heart, you will get everything else wrong eventually. That's a personal application because there are a lot of people who profess the name of Christ who would actually admit, yeah, it's, it's right because God says it is right. And then turn around and say, Trump's on God's side. No, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. 
If you get that wrong, if you do not get that right, you'll get everything else wrong eventually. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer. How many emails have you gotten through the years, Steve? From non-believers who listen to the show, and I know there are non-believers who listen to the show, and we appreciate you, and we're 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 glad Absolutely. that you're listening. Yeah. Our goal is maybe hope to help you become a believer. Exactly. Yeah. But wrestling with the notion of how could a God do X, Y, and Z? Or how could a loving God be X, Y, Z? Grappling with this notion, trying to fit God into our own box. You don't get... God is the most powerful, most perfect being in the entire universe. It takes a humbling of ourselves. A, A good analogy, I think, of this as I wrap this up when I first started working for you and we first started doing three non-political questions there would be a few times where I'd ask you about these like esoteric esoteric questions of uh, uh, I, I don't know cosmolo- uh, cos, uh, cosmology I guess I should say like uh, the question about uh, a light year and how can we see planets that are you know light years away if the earth is only 5,000 years old I thought, hey, this is a good discussion. You know, it's a curiosity. And you would frustrate me, but I now realize you're actually illustrating a bigger point. You would frustrate me by saying, um, God's the most powerful being in the universe. He can do whatever he wants with the laws of physics. This is kind of an example, an offshoot of that. We try, we try to talk ourselves in circles, justifying our human opinions about things. And I think we forget, at the end of the day, it's really simple. Right is right because God said it's right. Mm -hmm. Wrong is wrong because God said it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And anything that confuses that or obfuscates that, that will lead down the path of perdition. And look where we are now. The oldest written book, not the oldest book, but the oldest written book in the Bible, maybe it is the oldest book, I don't know, is Job. And you just summarized it. Mm Job's friends have all these cosmological explanations for why he is undergoing this incredible trial and all of this suffering. And God shows up at the end and basically says, were you guys here when I hung the stars? Did you guys create and slay Leviathan like I did? Shut your hole and know your role. You know why it happened? Because I let it. And you know why it's good? Because I define what good is. And as a result of the suffering you endured, I'm actually going to restore you, you know, a double portion of what you lost. But here's the, in the end, the real answer is, God is a, God, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that God intellectually humors us at all. He owes us yeah. nothing. Yeah. But in the end, the answer, the answer is, I am God and you are not. Mm. And I think we can all agree. If we cannot agree on who God is, I think we can all agree who he's not. We can all agree we make for some pretty poopy gods looking at our culture today. Yeah, that reminds me of... It's amazing when you consider Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence and it's how it elevates God. But Sally Hemings, uh, slavery, he actually, there's a Jeffersonian Bible because he just couldn't even, he had to rewrite it. But Thomas Jefferson is known for many statements. He's also known for this. I tremble when I think that God is just. And that's how the Declaration, despite all that hypocrisy, that was in there. We don't have that in us these days. For his mercy will not sleep forever. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll lighten it up a little bit with three non-political questions, although it's my daughter asking the question, so who knows how much lighter it'll get. Um, All right, we'll do that here when we return. Stay tuned. 
Hey, don't forget about our friends over at Constitution Wealth. They have helped our listener align over $10 million of wealth with their values so far since they came on board at the beginning of the year. Not bad, fellas. If you are tired of your portfolio being at odds with your principles, they can do something about that. Don't just invest based on what your current advisor is saying. Probably he's not a Christian, is he? Or maybe not even bothering to do the work of how to align your values with profit, how to be both profitable and prophetic. They can help you with that at Constitution Wealth right now. Help, they want to help you build the parallel economy together. Put your money to work as a weapon in America's culture war. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Book an appointment today. Get your retirement investments aligned with your values today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. We're getting a ton of reaction to the beeping, by the way. Uh, Jackie Butler says, hopefully that is not something counting down. Um, we, uh, someone else had advice where it was that one. Uh, that sounds like a scissor lift. It was, it was. So they called it right. Hey, that sounds like that's, that was Chris. Chris says it sounds like a scissor ding, lift. Ding, 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 ding. If so, there's a winner, big winner, red, chicken dinner. There's a big red button below the controls you can push to shut it's, it off. Well, it's, that's awesome. It's funny. Um, when, during the break, the guys came back from lunch. I think we ruined their lunch. Uh, and the guy came over and hit a big red button just beneath the r- controls and shut it off. Huh? Dude, Chris. Chris nailed it. That is one of, that's a dude code accommodation, man. He, he, from who, who knows how yeah. far away. He nailed the remedy of a, of, a, of, a, of a piece of complicated machinery by sound. All right. That is, that is some severe dudeness right there, man. All the beers, too. Yeah. yeah, all the beers. That is severe dudeness. And Mark says the beeping is actually emblematic of the life support this nation is on right now without God wow, and its that's Lord. Really deep. <laughs> He's all not right. lying. All right. Let's get to three non political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Indeed it is. Three non-political questions and and here to ask them again this week. My oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, Princess. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dad? Good. Uh, uh, What were you watching during the break? I was watching your guys' overtime segment yesterday. I was actually laughing about that while you were doing your live So if you guys are not yet subscribers to Blaze TV, today is the day. You guys have heard some of the workers next uh, in the office next door. And we were in the middle of the overtime yesterday. And I don't know, I was talking about God smiting people or something. Next thing I know, a head pops through the door. And I turn around and I'm like, can we help you? You know? I'm like, we're doing a live show here. He's like, you guys still working? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. And then that was... <laughs> and Aaron did not edit it out. He left it in the overtime. So you can go see it right now at blazetv.com slash dace. I was telling you, I, I was thinking about editing it out, but no, no. What, uh, what, um, what happens in overtime stays in overtime. That's indeed. It, the, the summers around here, if it's not wasps, it's, it's you know, unannounced visitors. It's just, summer times are crazy around here. All right. What are we doing today? What's your questions today? 
All right, my first question for you guys is if you had to choose one dystopian TV show, which one would you pick? And I have three options for you. Okay. Battlestar Galactica, The Walking Dead, and Jericho. So I think Jericho got off to a very good start. Its first season is very strong. Um, then I think CBS was the network that had it. It quasi-canceled it. Like the second season only had like a handful of episodes and kind of broke down. Um, so I don't think that's, that, epi- that, that series' of story is developed enough to choose that one, despite a promising start. So that leaves me with The Walking Dead, which I, I think I watched five or six seasons of. My last episode was when uh, Negan took the baseball bat uh, to Glenn, and it was just obvious to me, this is going nowhere. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm out. And then one of my top five all-time favorite shows, I assume we're talking about the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite shows. I'm going to Battlestar Galactica. There is a redemptive end. There's, there's, there is a redemptive arc, and you know I got to have a redemptive arc, otherwise mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I can't watch no matter how good it is. Okay. Once I find out there is, we're not heading to any redemptive arc. I'm out. Once I hate I every character, I know you hate that. And once I, once I hate every character, I'm out. Like Zoe will ask me, why don't you watch anymore? I hated every character. Then she's like, oh, doesn't know what to say <laughs> after that. Okay. So, um, but uh, I, I mean, it's exceedingly well done. It's phenomenal, that show. I've thought about going back and watching it again. It's been probably about, I think the final season was what, 07, 08, somewhere in there. But uh, for me, it would be Battlestar Galactica, the sci-fi version with a bullet. No, no, second, no, no second choice at all. Same. I made it about a season longer on Walking Dead. Now, is it over with or are they like I think making, it just ended. I do think we know I how it ended? No, I, 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 mean, Does I, anybody? I don't know. I don't know. And then I feel like they were going to try to start like a new reboot one too. Like about ma- focusing on other characters or Where something. They, I like know that. they started some spinoff series a few years ago. I think it's called Fear the Walking Dead, but I never, I've not seen three minutes of it. I've never seen a singular episode of any of these shows. So I guess, I mean, I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial, so I, I guess every millennial dude that's not, you know, hasn't chopped uh, appendages off yet. Um, at one point during their high school days, did fantasize about. You know what would they would do in a zombie apocalypse? So I'll go with The Walking Dead. If for nothing else, I'd love to try my hand at you know building some sort of fortress. All right. Basically, Aaron chose the show that would give him an excuse to shut himself off from the rest of the world. Right. You know if what? You want that to be translated? You know what? That's I essentially what he just said. I didn't even realize that's what I said, but that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> The millennial is the oldest person in the cast of this show, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Go ahead. What is Aaron? Aaron at 60 is going to be... Dead. No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Aaron at 60 is going to go completely flip the other way. He'll be like Big Lebowski, the dude. He'll be completely... He'll go completely the other way. At 60, he'll be like relaxed, chill. Hey, man. It's all good. That'll be Aaron at 60. All right. The opposite of Aaron at 30. Aaron at 30... Is already passed. He's gone from get off my lawn. He's at Grand Torino now. Now. He's at Grand Torino now. All right. Aaron at 60 will be the dude. He'll go completely the other way. He'll be completely chill. Yeah. Okay. My second question for you guys. So you guys are always talking about the dude code on yep. the show. Yep. So when I Googled that, I found a list of like some, they call it bro code. So a list of like some bro code. They called it the Bromandments, like the Ten Commandments, but for the Bro Commandments. I already don't like where this is going. (laughs) I don't either, but it's a funny name. So I picked three of them and I want you guys to tell me if you agree or disagree with them. Why or why not? 
Okay. Okay. All right. First one, have your bros back no matter what. Oh, no disagree. way. D- totally disagree. Disagree. Yeah. That, that's a cult. That was the number one thing. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah, that's, that's, no. a, that's a cult. And yeah. sometimes your bro needs to be uh, pimp slapped. The opposite is yeah. true. The opposite is true. Yeah, the exact opposite. Bros hold each other account. Dude, let me, let, so let me rephrase that. That may be the bro code, but the dude code is we hold each other accountable at, in all things. To the, even to the point of it being argu- overly argumentative, overly tedious, overly ira- irascible, arguing about things that don't matter just because there's a possibility that that fellow dude might be wrong about a minor point about something that doesn't matter. You argue about it and you confront him over that. You confront the dude coach. You confront error in all things in another dude at all times, period. Yeah. You're off to a bad start. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, that's I, a cult. I didn't write the, the bromance. The, the, the dude coach's <laughs> a meritocracy. That's a cult. Is what that is. The second one is if your buddy assigns you as his wingman at a party, make him proud by doing your job well. No. Real men don't go to no. parties. No. <laughs> <laughs> as Aaron gets older, I realize he I, I keep him employed here, not for his technical prowess, but because he makes me appear to be more likable, for goodness sakes. And I did that's, that about That's the you. upside. That's the upside. That is the upside. I mean, I am just affable compared to Aaron. Okay. Real men don't go to parties. I think we need to get, see, remember during COVID, when, during the lockdowns, when I started dropping the phrase Netflix and chill? And you were you came to me and said, I was Dad, like, Dad, that, Dad, I don't think you that know what phrase that means. does not mean what you think that it doesn't means. Mean what it, maybe that's what it meant in 2012, Dad, but it doesn't mean that anymore. I don't think you know what it means. And I didn't know what it meant now. Okay. And so you like had to educate me. Okay. Sadly, yes, we yes. did have to have that conversation. We, we did. It was very awkward, but <laughs> Let's necessary. not rehash it. Continue no, we with your point. We will, we will not repeat that conversation <laughs> here. No. Um, but along those same lines, I think we have to know what the current iteration of wingman is. Like, if we're talking about what wingman meant when, when Todd and I were growing up, I would, I would largely agree to this, okay? But what does it mean now? I don't know what it means now. Fair? Does it mean something different? Like, well, what is it? What, are you, what, did, what was your definition then? Like, back in the day. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to better Jeez. say that. Everyone's now fired. <laughs> Starting with you. <laughs> Just rank condescension in that. No, I'm not sure where she learned that. Like where, when Rachel uh, dropped the boomer music on you and Todd. Yes, yes. Um, like, if she has a friend, you'll at least be nice to that friend. Maybe even, maybe even flirt a little. All right? Yeah, I would okay. agree. I would, I would agree right. with that. Is, that. is that fair? Does it need to go any further than that? No, I think that the road you're going down is, would be okay. still correct. Then, then, then I, I don't have an immediate objection to that one. I don't. Okay. I don't have an immediate ob- objection to that one. But see, this falls under number one. There's a, there's, there's a, just like in the Ten Commandments, there's a hierarchy of truth. You don't, you, you're not, if you agree loosely to do this, you, you, you can abort if you just think this is folly. At all you're times. Not, yes. Agree. At, yes, at all times. It's yeah. like, no, for her? No. Yeah. No way. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to be a part of this. This is like beneath you, friend... beneath him, yes. beneath every man in this room. Why are you doing this? <laughs> yes, if your friend says, I, you know, I, her friend's a trainee. I just need you to go over there and flirt with her a little. No. First of all, it's not her. Hey, my, my friend is here, and uh, or this girl I've, I've been crushing on is here, and uh, her friend is here, and she's married, but she likes you. No, 
Not doing that either. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But but the dude code assumes with all of these provisions that there is a meta morality that cannot be violated. Okay. Yeah. Because the first dude is God. Wow, this is really intense. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm just asking. <laughs> so like the first the first dude is God. God is the ultimate masculine example. That's that's a quote okay. right there. Like, God is the ultimate dude. Yes, that's the first dude. All right. If she if okay. you if you Christ is the ultimate dude, dudeness begins. He is the alpha and omega of dudeness. Okay. And so <laughs> the, the assumption therefore is that you will not violate his ethic within the dude code itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. If your buddy comes over and says, what do you think? I said, for the last five minutes, I heard her talking about the feminine mastique. I'm not going to be part of this whatsoever. <laughs> okay. That's totally fair. Yeah. Because the first law of dudeness has been violated. Yeah. We're not entertaining your pagan um, and, and ridiculous, uh, nonsensical uh, belief system. You're, I, I promise you're not hot enough for me to do that. So the answer is no. Well, and I think we answered the last one then, because the last one is a bro shall never make a bro feel ashamed. What? Oh, what? Oh, Where did you this? get this? Is this wow. from Rolling Stone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear God. That's all we do is make each other feel ashamed, for goodness sakes. You wake up in the morning and you're just like... That's right. I think... I need to constantly show my superiority over my fellow dudes, and the best way to do that is to make you ashamed of yourselves. Do you even dude, man? Do you even dude code? This was like on a website that was like men's... I think it was like mensxp.com. Never even heard of it. Maybe there's a reason for that. There was like so many. This is like only like the first like three. My goal, if it, whether it's pickup basketball, whether it's Monopoly, whether it's a monthly poker game, is to end you. And, it, it, and, and the closer we are and the better the friends we are, then the more I want to end you, the more I want to show you, okay, who is the alpha in that in that like relationship. Like when we were playing bags in the backyard, and then you won, and then you looked at my husband and went, "Well, I've officially beat my son-in-law, so I can go inside." That's exactly yes. <laughs> that's that's it. Yes, that's right. I totally believe that happened. Yeah, because it, it did. <laughs> yeah. It did. It did happen in our last cornhole game. That happened. Yes. Oh yes. gosh. I like I I love you more than any other dude. I made you cry playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Pitch after pitch, how many times I'd hit it over the fence and make you go over there and get the ball over and over and over again. You, 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 right. you pretty little princess face. Daddy, can we? No, you make it stop. Strike me out. <laughs> catch the ball, and then it will stop. And it won't stop until then. Did that not happen? Yes, that did okay. happen. What was that about <laughs> Speaking me of making you appear more likable? <laughs> I'm sorry, was this on the whole time? <laughs> Oh, my bad. My bad. And then my last question for you guys. It's a little lighter. Who is a singer or band that you think is overrated and why? Queen. Now, I didn't say the lead singer was overrated. He is not. But Queen is a band. I just overplayed, overrated. Their music, It's some of it's good. Most of it is meh. I could take it or leave it. That's that's the only way to... When you're saying something's overrated, you're not saying it sucks. You're mm-hmm. saying that there's a band yes. that I acknowledge yeah. Yeah. is good, decent, whatever. It's just like, can give it a break already. It's not amongst the greatest of all time. I need a second to think about Aerosmith. Mm. Oh, I disagree. Just, 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 it's a band of, of doubles. Lots of doubles in the gap. Um, and, and, and I think we have mistaken longevity for excellence. I just, lots of doubles in the gap. Like, With Sweet Emotion? 
Is that a double? I would take the top five songs of Def Leppard and crush the top five songs of Aerosmith. And I could do that with lots of oh, bands. There's no. Lots of bands. No. I, I, I don't think there are very many magnum opuses there. I just think there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of solid ground, you know, that doubles up the gap. I don't think there's a, there's a lot of home runs there. So I would say Aerosmith. I think they're a great band. Okay. But I think they're overrated. I would say Pink Floyd. See, I think it's the exact opposite. I think their, their top is elite. And the, it's the full volume of work when you get beyond, you know, you know, um, comfortably numb and wish you were here in those classics. When you get beyond them, you're kind of like, this stuff is really weird. And what is it about? <laughs> OK, Actually, but the top line stuff is phenomenal. It, it, that standard makes me think of one. Um, the who. Oh, now, oh, now, now they're, oh, oh, they're great. See, they, oh, I know, but it's like they time are for me to go now. compared to their contemporaries. We're going to show you what the dude, how the dude code operates, Anna, right now, as a matter of fact. Because <laughs> I did a little uh, in the last year listening to um, uh, the Who, the Beatles, um, uh, Zeppelin, and uh, the Stones, mm-hmm. all uh, from beginning to and the, the, the Who is a greatest hits band. But they get weird and bad I, I, that's not, really that's fast not, that's compared not to the other three. I now, their greatest hits is phenomenal, yeah. but there's just, just junk in there. I, like, I, I don't deny, like Boris the Spider, it, it, it's, you know, isn't a magnum opus. I agree with you on that. But their great, I, would, I would take their greatest hits oh, up against the yeah. greatest hits of all the other the bands it's that you great. mentioned. It's great. But, it, but in terms, but to me, I, I, I would, you know, Zeppelin, is, Zeppelin has two or three greatest hits albums. That the Who probably could not produce. All right, so you you you, you, you brought up the standard, and yeah. it was a good interesting. You you, you you salvaged yourself there at the yeah. end. Yeah. Thank you, Princess. Appreciate <laughs> Thank it. You. All right, we're gonna stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, right here on Blaze TV, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.